Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So at the moment, we are in between seasons here on the show, but while we're waiting for our next official season to begin, we thought that this would be a great time to pull some of our favorite episodes out of the Girls' Night Archive. This is a great time to catch up on episodes you might have missed throughout the years or to listen to old favorites all over again. Our guests are incredible. I know that I learn something new each time I listen to an episode, even if it's one I've heard a million times before. Okay, now without any further ado, let's dive into the episode. Okay, guys, I'm sitting here with my brand new friend, Ali Casaza, and I am so excited for you to meet her. This topic for today, it gets all of like my nerdy type A-ness just going. I'm so excited for to hear from you and to get to totally pick your brain. Um, so for anyone who's not familiar with you, Ali, would you go ahead and just introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, and then I'm going to ask you for a fun fact just to kick things off. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so I'm Allie. Um, I'm married. I've been married to my husband for, um, we're going on 12 years this year, actually. That's amazing. And I've got four kids, um, nine and under. And what I do is for women. I, I love supporting um, other women and just pouring into them, speaking life over them, and specifically mothers, but really all women, just kind of letting them know that when life gets crazy, life gets overwhelming, you know, there's things that we can kind of step back and remove ourselves from that overwhelming, burdensome feeling like it's all too much and step back. And I kind of come in and help them get like an aerial view over their lives and just see like, okay, like what's causing this? It's like a three-step process, you know, uh, physical clutter, calendar clutter, um, and all of that kind of leads into mental, emotional, like heart and spirit clutter. And you just feel really overwhelmed. And then you lose the ability to think clearly. So I kind of just come in and just help them clear all of that different sort of clutter, starting with physical clutter. um, So they can just live a life with a lightened load and have the time and space they need to focus on what matters to them and get more joy. Oh my gosh. I feel like everyone listening is saying amen and pulling out a piece of paper and a pen and like, Allie, walk us through this. Um, So I know that usually when we're speaking or teaching or writing about something, it's because we've had to learn this lesson the hard way in our own lives. I would love to hear just like, how did you get into this? How did this topic become important to you? I'm guessing it might've, I really am guessing it might've happened the hard way. Am I right? Yeah. I think that all, all things that have a purpose and all things that lead to like our life stories and like what we, the impact we leave on the world come out of darkness. Um, And it's hard when you're in that dark place to see like, this is going to lead to something. And we all are always trying to avoid the hard stuff and the hard parts of life. But, um, you know, we all have ups and downs and there's many, many different things that I will go through and have gone through. But what I do in my business came from one particularly hard and very, very dark time. I'm someone that just kind of struggles with depression, anxiety. It's just kind of kind of in my family line. And that doesn't mean that it has to, you know, has to be my story or has to always be a struggle, but it's kind of just come and gone um, over the course of my life. And like, as I was a young person and a teenager and 
before I had kids and just kind of got really, really bad when I had three kids under three. My kids are very, very close in age. And I was very, very overwhelmed. And that is such an understatement. There honestly isn't a word that I found to describe where I was at at that point in my life. I basically was, I had I had wanted to be a mother. I had wanted to have a family. I was excited, but I felt like I would never really got to enjoy the parts that you know, are exciting and like playing with your kids and going and doing fun things and being at home with them and just enjoying the day. I felt like I would open my eyes in the morning with my alarm clock, you know, blaring at me and just feel like, seriously, it's already morning. And I, I already know that I don't have what I need to have in me to do this day and definitely not to do it well. And that is a really awful place to be and to begin each day. And I kind of just fell into this very, very long desert season of just total dryness and total like just, I was stale and depressed and struggling. And I was like finding, you know, magazine articles, mommy blogs, like looking online, asking friends and family, like women that were older than me in different seasons than I was, um, you know, just what I was going through and like, am I, is this normal? Like I'm really struggling. It's not just like, oh, like I can't, I can't remember the last time I showered those kids. Like it was like, like I'm Okay. Yes. And I I don't know what I'm missing. Like I'm okay. I need. It looks like you know from you know all these magazines and stuff. Like I need to get organized. So I would try that, and it would fall apart in like a few minutes. You know, at the most a few days, because I was just like reorganizing crap and expecting it to stay in place. And I was just like always cleaning, always making snacks or changing a diaper. And I was never like able to just enjoy any of it. And motherhood is servitude. Like you wipe boogers and butts and disgusting (laughs) other things. Like, and that's just the place that it is. Like it's servitude. But I wanted to be in that and enjoy it and and have those hard days that was like hard because of that, not hard because I can't breathe and I'm depressed and I can't get on top of my my life. Like there's my to-do list is not shrinking no matter what I do. So I kind of reached this breaking point where I ended up like like getting the kids busy and just running up into my bathroom so I wouldn't have a meltdown in front of them, like shutting the door and just falling on the floor and crying out to God. Like I, I had been hearing this message. It almost was like popping up in my life over and over again. Like this is kind of how God works in my life. He pops really uh, annoyingly obvious signs <laughs> in my face. Like, like over and over you talk to is like, hey, have you thought about this? You're like, yes, okay, okay, and I get it. Like, shut up right now yes. or I'm going to lose it on you. <laughs> like, okay, like I had kept, that kept happening with um, John 10, 10, the verse about abundant life. Mm-hmm. And what was annoying about it is that first of all, it's my fault because I hadn't been spending time with the Lord. I hadn't been running to him with this. I had just kind of been like, God, help me out of this and just leaving it there and not really seeking him. And so of course he had to get my attention in this way, but it was annoying to keep hearing a verse about abundant life when I'm like, honestly, like I don't even know when the last time was that I enjoyed a moment for real. Or if I do enjoy it, like I spend an evening with my family or we have a great weekend, I feel like I have to pay this really hefty price of catch up the next day. And it's not worth it. Like it's just my life, my maintenance of my life and my stuff and my home and our world is is taking over. And all those mundane parts that are supposed to be side notes are totally overrunning all the fun stuff and good stuff. 
And so in this bathroom epiphany moment, I just was crying out to God. And honestly, I'm not ever afraid to get real with the Lord. I feel like He already knows what's in my heart. And I've been known to like curse and punch (laughs) a wall and yell and freak out and just like, I don't know what to do here. And I had one of those really, really deep, dark moments in that bathroom and just was like, basically how can you be showing me abundant life when like, what am I missing? Like, are mothers an exception to that? Is this really motherhood? Because as I'm asking these older women for help and like advice, I'm getting the same answer again and again. Basically, oh, that's mom life. Like, yep, you're just in the thick of it, sweetie. Don't worry, you'll get through it. And John 10.10 speaks the opposite of getting through anything. It's thriving, and abundance. And I wasn't experiencing that and I was trying to fix it. And honestly, I was waiting for God to just drop, like do like a mic drop moment and just be like some, I don't know, philosophical, amazing piece of wisdom. And instead I heard him just kind of nudge my thoughts to, what exactly are you spending your days doing? And I remember answering out loud, like, I am cleaning up like all the time. I'm just maintaining instead of enjoying. And I want to get to that other side. And it was like, again, that nudge. Well, cleaning up what exactly? And I thought about it for a couple minutes. I remember just sitting there like, this is so dumb. Like, who cares? I need help. And just kind of like reluctantly answering him and just thinking like, I don't know. It's just stuff. Like there's just so much stuff all the time. And it takes up all my all my days. And right then when I said that out loud, I had this like lightning bolt moment. I've never had it since. It was pretty cool. I'd like to have it, but it was like (laughs) legit an epiphany. And I just like stopped crying. I stood up, I wiped my face off. I knew exactly what I needed to do. And it was kind of like, I don't know for sure if this is God or if it's my thoughts or if what is happening, but I think I have an idea and I'm so dang desperate that I'm going to give it a shot. And I basically started decluttering that day. I, over the course of like a week or two, I made some, I did some pretty serious damage. I got rid of a lot of stuff and I, I didn't know what to do. There was no Marie Kondo. There was no minimalism documentary or books about this. I didn't even know that minimalism was what it was called. All I knew was that I was done wanting to sleep through my life and counting down the minutes till bedtime. And I wanted to start enjoying my life. And I was sick of this stuff taking up all my time. And so I just kind of went through with this idea of what is worthy and whatever was not went in a garbage bag um, and got donated. So that, that day, that week um, changed my entire life. And now I'm on the other side of that. I've gone all the way through my house multiple times. Um, Everything in our home is cozy and joyful and has a purpose. Our house takes, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of just really routine maintenance a day. It's a side note as it should be. And we're able to homeschool our kids. I'm running a successful business from home, um, creating jobs, doing what I love. And my the maintenance of my life is on the back burner instead of, you know, the front burner taking over everything. That is amazing. I That is amazing. Allie, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I feel like everyone as they're listening is picturing what that looks like for them. And it's different for all of us because we all have different things on our plates, but it's like, I mean, it's school, it's work, it's being newly married, it's um, mm-hmm. taking care of parents or kids or 
(laughs) kids we nanny for. It's, I mean, we all have just so much going on in our lives. And I feel like we've all been in places where we're like, God, I can't do this anymore. Like I am spent. We've all had those mornings where we're like, you've got to be kidding me. I have to get up and do this again. I do not have it in me. Right. So this idea of decluttering, I'm trying to think of when it first occurred to me. I think I did read Marie Kondo's book a couple years ago and went through (laughs) like our entire house. And I think, um, you know, as you're talking about anxiety and depression, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, the women listening know that that's been a real part of, it's been a real struggle for me in this last season. It's Mm -hmm. really thick in my family history too. And I was so positive that it skipped me and uh, it didn't, Mm -hmm. which is okay. Um, And so it's been something I've been really navigating. And it's, it's amazing because one of the things that's brought me a lot of peace in the midst of it, along with therapy and medicine and Jesus and all kinds of people around me, but is actually decluttering and actually trying to make my space, my physical space simpler. And it hasn't fixed, that alone didn't fix the problem, of course, but it helped so much. And it's just been amazing to me, this connection between what our physical spaces look like and having less in it and what our internal spaces feel like. And so I just am like, I feel like drunk on this idea. I could talk about it all the time. I could think about it all the time. I want to go through all my closets again. So I love the work that you do. Um, One of the things that I, you know, I was poking around your website and it's awesome. Everyone needs to go check it out. And all of Ali's resources will be in our show notes. But you had this statistic on there that blew my mind. First of all, you said that, and I might mess this up, but that physical clutter really does contribute to anxiety, especially in women. Yes. And then the other thing that you mentioned that just totally blew my mind, and I would love to hear you explain this and sort of um, like talk us through what this looks like is that um, eliminating clutter would reduce our housework by 40%. Yes. Like, talk to me about that. How does that work? What does that look like? Yeah, that is so mind-blowing. Like, that's why I always put that everywhere. I want these women to understand, like, it doesn't matter if you have kids or you don't, or you're married or you're single. Um, If you're in high school, college, if you're 80, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in. That's a lot of burden off of anybody like 40%. And I have to say, I mean, this is what I do day in and day out. I speak with women who are going through this, who have made it to the other side, who are in the thick of it. Um, And I myself have gone through this process. And I've got to say, that's being very safe to say 40%. I would very, very much encourage anyone listening, like I would go more towards 60, 70 in my experience. And when I am working with the moms that like, they go all the way in and they are just they become ruthless editors and protectors of what is allowed in their home because what takes up your space takes up your time. You don't only buy things with your dollars, you buy them with your minutes and your moments with your family, with your boyfriend, husband, um, your parents, whoever is important to you. And so realizing that will make you like be done and just go all the way in and like, I, you know, I'm a big advocate of not being like super rules based in minimalism. I think a lot of teachers out there mean well and they're doing great work and some people really respond to rules. But I do think that there's a legalism there that's unhealthy and you can, you're basically starting out like, I always explain it like this. You want to focus on that 40%, which is probably more like 60, 70, and use that as a drive to move forward and make ruthless decisions. But when you start out and you learn about this, you're usually most people are handcuffed to their stuff. It owns them, takes up their time. 
it owns them rather than them owning it. And Mm -hmm. then they figure this out. They find minimalism and simplification and they go with it. And some people, particularly type A's, I've found, I'm type B, so I don't really relate to that, but especially type A people who are listening and for you, Stephanie, yep. <laughs> um, they tend to get so like obsessed, obsessed, like perfectionistic about the process that they begin to like, well, wait, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? How many of this should I have? How many of this does she have? Well, what is everyone else doing? Like, well, what does this teacher have? Like, and these are the women that obsessively message me on Instagram and email my assistant trying to get to me. Like if Ali could just share how many jeans she has and it's like, (laughs) girl, let it go. Like, this is for you and your lifestyle, your life. I, You can bet your butt I have way more clothes than you need because my job is video and touring and doing TV things. Like, it doesn't matter. This works for me. What does, you know, Mary need? What does Stephanie need? What does Ashley need? What works for your life? Focus on that drive to cut down that housework by so much and ask yourself, what do I use? What serves me? Who am I? Okay. If you're a chef who works from home and you basically, you have a baby and you're literally always in yoga pants, don't get rid of all but two yoga pants. Like keep your yoga pants. Maybe you should get rid of some of your, you know, um, trousers from your old corporate job. What are you using? Who are you? And don't you dare worry about that whole like, well, what if I go back to my corporate job? What if I need this later? Like that isn't, we don't keep things out of what if and fear. So walking forward with those core principles is so much better than the other styles of teachers who are like, you need to have less than 30 books. You need to line your carrots up in the crisper so that you're inspired when you open your fridge. Like maybe you might have time for that, but like, I don't. So (laughs) I'm not about those like those rules, like it's just limiting and you're chaining yourself to your stuff again. You were yeah. chained before. Now you're so obsessively pursuing the rules that you're chained again. This is about freedom. Oh my gosh, girl, preach. Unreal. So good. So like when it comes to editing our stuff, like talk us through when it comes to our laundry, like talk us through what it looks like to, if, if we have less, how does that like eliminate some of our housework, just like break. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes sense, but I feel like I want it like crystal clear, the connection between I got rid of clothes I don't like and, or I got rid of like my old corporate clothes. Therefore, this is how, like what my time looks like. Does that make sense? Yes. Like your load, how is your load exactly lightened? So, okay. So the first step is mental. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's if something is taking up your space and you see it every now and then, like even subconsciously, like I would encourage anyone listening to do a deep dive, like study even just on Google on your subconscious mind versus your conscious mind. Our subconscious mind is constantly taking things in and it works it out while we sleep. So if you've had unexplained insomnia, if you've had anxiety, um, if you have struggled with depression, a lot of that is coming from your subconscious mind. And there's so many studies that show um, if you, for example, let's stick with the corporate clothes um, example. Let's say that we've got Mary and she is had a corporate job and she became pregnant and is now a single mom and she works from home. And she's holding on to those corporate clothes in a clear bin at the top of her closet on a shelf, just in case, because she doesn't really know what life looks like right now. She's having a successful business at home. She wears her yoga pants. She's got her baby boy. This is her life. 
every time Mary walks into her closet to grab a pair of shoes or get something for her son or get a coat to go out, she catches that box in the bin in her peripheral vision. And without even consciously paying attention to it, it's there. She realizes that it's there. She knows that it's there. She's walking into the space that it's in and her subconscious is processing emotions. This is a big deal. We hold on to things that we wish we fit in. We hold on to things that are from somebody who's passed away. And when, you know, of course, there's a period of time where that's fine. But when it's been years and we're just holding on, we're sitting subconsciously in grief, in loss, in resentment, in failure. Like in Mary's example, that might be perceived to her own self as something she failed at, that she lost, that she's upset about, that she wishes hadn't happened. Um, Rather than... How amazing that out of these choices I made, I got this beautiful baby boy and I can work from home and I'm doing it. I'm paying for this house. I'm killing it. Let go of that old life. So when we hold on to things for negative reasons, we or that what if or that fear, we are messing with our subconscious. We're we're stealing joy from ourselves. And I mean, honestly, just look it up if you're doubting me. If you're like, no, <laughs> I don't think that's true. <clears throat> look it up. It's completely mind-blowing. So that's the first step. It's a mental thing. And it's important to take care of our subconscious and to take care of ourselves and to make sure like when you walk into a room in your home, especially, especially the bedroom, which is so often like the storage place for junk because no one goes in there but you usually, mm-hmm. unless you have like super rude house guests or something. <laughs> Like nobody goes in there, but you like your closet, my, even my closet, full disclosure is kind of a mess right now. Cause I started decluttering and then broke one of my golden rules and walked away from it. So it's oh just gosh. like a total crap show in there right now. <laughs> but anyway, like you walk in and you want to feel like you want to feel good. You want to feel safe. You want to feel at peace. And so just taking a little example from my life for anyone who relates to this, I school my kids at home with my husband and my husband and I run the company together from home. So we're home all the time. We're introverts. We're homebodies. We're here all the time. If my space was holding, like, was a holding cell for past failures, for things like, uh, for example, one big thing for me is I dropped out of, my parents sent me to a private college and I dropped out and I got married and was like, I hate it here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do anything that needs this and I'm leaving. And everything is fine now and all is healed and everything is good. And obviously like my life ended up how it needed to, but that's always been a little bit of a sore spot. And I had some college books for years and I would just kind of look at those and and question and be like, man, like, why am I holding on to Like, why was I holding on to it? I'm, I have kids. I'm not going back to college. Like I had this inner feeling that I had failed my dad. Hmm. And when I let go of those books, like I, I stopped like avoiding my office and that bookshelf in here. Now I love it. So you see, like, I never really consciously thought about the book. I never really consciously dealt with why I was holding on to it, but it was here and it would catch my eye from time to time and fill me with negative emotions that weren't clear enough for me to even recognize our process. So that's the mental side of why it matters that you don't hold on to things and how it lightens your load immediately. The physical side, which gets most people more excited, is that it kind of can seem like, well, if I have less clothes, like, aren't I going to have to do laundry more? Or like, well, it's just sitting in my closet. I'm not really having to wash it. Like, why does it matter? So we want to just clear that physical space. Another, I'm going to have you guys Googling like a whole lot. Another (laughs) thing to look up is like the mental and emotional benefits of white space. It's called white space. Just having like 
not having everything full. It's also an interior design. It's a method of like creating like feng shui and like a beautiful, clear space that you love. Um, doesn't have to be cold or non-cozy, but having white space in like a closet, in a room, on a bookshelf, um, in your living room, anywhere is so beneficial. It's so good for your mental health. It's just, you walk in and you have that feeling of... I'm not overstuffed. My life isn't overstuffed. My calendar isn't overstuffed. My closet isn't overstuffed. This is good. White space brings positive energy and it's so healing. It's so good for you guys to have that white space. So there's that part. And then in terms of the like laundry specifically, I'm sorry, my answers are so long. I'm trying to... <laughs> I, no, seriously, like I am... <laughs> So I'm, I'm the second we hang up, I'm like canceling the rest of my day and I'm going around <laughs> at the trash bag and I know I'm not the only one. We're going to have Perfect. like, everyone's going to need to like post photos and tag us in all the yes, crap that they get rid me. of. Yes. Yeah. I love it. And I want you guys to walk away from this episode. Like I, I'm taking time out of my day. Stephanie's taking time out of her day. Like we want this to be worthwhile and for you to walk away like freaking on fire. Yes. So, Okay. So with laundry, you have what you need. So most people, most people wear 20% of their wardrobe 80% of the time. That's the average, like the statistic that's out there. Maybe give or take a little bit, depending. Um, unless you have a very unique situation, that's usually what you are doing. So what's the deal with the other 80%? Like everybody needs their, you know, their LBD, their little black dress for weddings and events. Everybody needs, you know, um, their workout clothes just in case. Like if you ever want to have a casual day, even if you don't wear those all the time, everybody needs a great flare jean. Like, you know, you got your staples and you don't wear those all the time and that's fine. But most of the time, if you were to walk into your closet right now while you're listening to us, you'll see stuff that you wish you fit in, stuff that used to be your style, but now it's not. Like there's no shame in changing your style, but like, why are you holding on to the old one? You've evolved. You're you're different now. You're new. Um, and that 80% is going to be stuff that does not make you happy. Kind of maybe makes you a little depressed. Maybe if you've, you know, um, gone through a surgery and it caused you to gain weight or something happened in your life or you had a baby or something like you're, you're holding on to the past. Um, and the way that decluttering your clothes does lead to less laundry is you have less clothes, you have less to wash. Yes, you may need to get yourself into a rhythm where you're going to, like for me, I do a load of laundry every morning because I've got a lot of people in my house. If you're, you know, in a different season and you're listening and it's just you or just you and like one or two other people, that will look different. But the fact is that it is virtually impossible for me to get like laundry mountain so overwhelming that it's going to take me all week to catch up because there's just not enough stuff. I, I don't really like capsule wardrobes personally because I really, really like fashion and putting outfits together. It, I'd probably be doing that if I wasn't doing this and I, you know, my job and stuff, but I got, I've got what I need and everything in there gets worn, you know, at least every once in a while. So you just want to focus on that. You want everything in there to get worn every once in a while and you're going to have less to wash. You're going to have that white space. You're going to have a clear mental space because of it. And you're not going to be damaging your subconscious every time you walk into your closet. I feel like that makes so much sense. And there really is, I mean, even thinking about my closet now and I've got, I've done several passes through it. Um, first of all, walking in and having shelves that like, that uh, aren't like exploding or, you know, like it's the reason why we, at least me, I like break out into hives walking into someplace like Forever 21. I still go because if you mm -hmm. spend enough time in there, you'll find a gem. But like right. going in there, I mean, you, I, my anxiety goes through the roof. Whereas if you go to some, 
I, I mean, even like the highest end stores, which I never go into those, like, I, I can't even pull out an example, but it's like they have like four things on the shelves and it's yes. really beautiful. It kind of doesn't make any sense, but I mean, it's really beautiful and really like relaxing. There's just not as much to to sort through. There's not stuff like, you know, falling off the hangers onto the floor. Um, and so I feel like our closets are the same way, but there's also something really like imagining walking in your closet and having, knowing that one, everything fits to everything like there's not anything that's like missing a button so you can't wear it. Like you take care of that or get rid of it or put but the button back on. you feel weird throwing it out and yes. it's like, why? Yes, or like the sweater that's itchy. Like I can think of sweaters in my closet that every time I put them on, they're like too short or too long or I'm pulling at them or too tight or something like that. And it's just, you're literally physically uncomfortable all day long mm-hmm. if you wear those things. And so the difference between that and walking in and seeing a closet that doesn't look like Forever 21 on a sale day and everything in it, you know, fits you and feels nice and makes you feel good in your own skin. Like that's amazing. And that changes the whole course of your day. Right. Exactly. Um, and it's like you, I love the example you gave about Forever 21 versus like a high end, like little small boutique. Like we need to treat ourselves like that boutique. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of options. Like I don't want anyone to mishear me. And again, like just know this is my job. Like minimalism and teaching this is my job. And I have a very full closet. I have a lot of clothes. Again, I love clothes. I love options. I enjoy shopping. And I love that my job has a small aspect of, of it that allows me to like kind of need to constantly be changing and trying new things and not looking stale in the old same capsule wardrobe. And I'll never change. I love that. It's my favorite thing. So it's okay to have a lot if that fits your life. But a lot of people listening are going to hear like let go and feel a lot of freedom in terms of their closet because getting dressed overwhelms them. They've never felt very good at it. They don't really care. They just like basic staples. You are made to have a capsule wardrobe. So again, minimalism needs to be less about rules and how many of each thing you're keeping and less about organization and more about who are you? What serves you? I'm very, very just liberal with my clothes in my closet, but I'm extremely strict in my kitchen because I don't really do a ton of fancy things in there. I just want what I need and I want to be able to find it quickly. So that's me, but who are you? Something you may not know about me is that I'm fairly particular when it comes to fragrances, especially the ones I have in my home. Don't get me wrong, I love lighting candles, but a lot of the ones I've found in stores have overpowering scents and use chemicals that end up giving me a headache. Plus, I learned that the candle industry contributes to a large amount of carbon emissions and toxicity in our air. That's why I've recently made the switch to Notes Candles which also happens to be today's Girls' Night sponsor. I love Notes because their scents are high quality but don't smell overly sweet or chemically. But what's even more amazing is that they are on a mission to help eliminate single-use candle vessels with their more earth-friendly option. Did you know that there are almost 2 billion candles sold each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? Talk about wasteful. But thankfully, Notes does things differently with their refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessels again and again and again. I love this because it's way more sustainable than buying a new candle jar every time you go to the store, and you don't have to feel guilty about throwing your old candle jars in the trash. Plus, it's so easy to do and actually really fun. You just place the wick they provide you in your reusable Notes jar, 
fill it up with their wax beads, light your candle, and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. Once you're ready for a new candle, you just repeat the same steps. They have 13 incredible fragrances to choose from, which are all handcrafted by fragrance experts at Notes Home Base in South Carolina. I am obsessed with their vanilla and pepperwood scent. It's cozy and warm and perfect for a movie night with your friends. But they also have other amazing fragrances like citrus and fresh basil, pistachio and rose water, and bamboo and water lily. I cannot wait to try one for every new season. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to Notes. Make the switch and build a starter kit. Right now, Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy a Notes starter kit using code GIRLSNIGHT at notescandle.com slash girlsnight. Just use code GIRLSNIGHT when placing your order. That's code GIRLSNIGHT at notescandle.com slash girlsnight. In the last few years, I've prioritized purchasing food products with higher quality ingredients for my family and myself. Products that have more of the real stuff and less of the fake stuff. And it's been so much easier to make that happen since I found Thrive Market. Thrive Market is my new go-to for buying groceries and household items like vitamins and personal care products. The best part is I can order everything online from my sofa and it's quickly shipped right to my doorstep, saving me so much time. If this is your first time hearing about them, Thrive Market only carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They actually restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, making it so much easier to maintain a healthier lifestyle. You can even use their on-site filters to fit your lifestyle needs. For example, you can look for low sugar alternatives, gluten-free items, or organic kid snacks. They have Annie's, Once Upon a Farm, and Dave's Organic Bread, all staples in our weekly grocery trip. But they also have brands and products I've never heard of, which is awesome because I'm always looking for healthy and delicious things to feed the girls and myself. Thrive Market is not only a one-stop shop for basically everything on my grocery list, but it gave me tons of ideas for products I didn't even know about. And by becoming a Thrive Market member, I save money on all of my grocery orders. Along with saving money, you're also helping a family in need with Thrive Market's one-for-one membership matching program. So if you join, they give. Friends, I seriously look forward to my Thrive Market box every time. They have an incredible product selection with brands that are better for you and for the planet. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash girlsnight for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash girlsnight. Thrivemarket.com slash girlsnight. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Does anyone else feel like they could use more time in the day? There are things you want to accomplish, places you want to go, people you want to connect with, but it feels like you're always falling behind. Something I'm learning recently, well, always, is that none of us can do it all. We all have to figure out what's most important to us, 
But doing that alone can feel scary and overwhelming. Well, friends, this is one reason why I've come to love therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. You're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. You frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. You really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing I don't have to. I am at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, that's easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the therapist you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're looking to sort through your priorities this year, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Learn to make time for what's most important with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash friendship. So when it comes to actually going through stuff, like talk us through the process. How do we find time to do this? How do we, what do we do when we like walk into a closet or walk into our kitchen with a a bag or something? Like what do we do next? And then how do we deal? I think a lot of the, I think a lot of what holds us back is guilt, like either guilt that I, I bought this and the tags are still on. I'm thinking of a shirt in particular, like the tags are still on. That was stupid that I didn't wear it or or stupid that I bought it. And, and like, I should have been more careful or, you know, my mom bought me this. That happens a lot. Like, you know, this person bought me this. I feel bad getting rid of it. Or what if I'll like, how do you talk us through the actual, you walk into a room, you want less stuff. How do you get there? Yeah, and I think like after we address this, I think if you can remember, because in case I forget, I want to circle back and talk about shopping and trying things on and how to do that so that we, because you have to, you can't like put a Band-Aid on a wound that's still bleeding underneath. Like we have to stop that bleed and get intentional with what we're bringing into our house in the first place. So we can maybe like circle back to that after I deal with this, like, I want to address what you said. So, so heavy and so important that guilt and like almost like shame. Like, oh my gosh, am, am I part of the problem? Am I wasteful? Like America is so wasteful yes. and it's so hard to not be part of the problem. So, right. Okay. Right. I wrote it down. I'll, I'll make sure we circle back. Okay. Good. <laughs> okay. So first let's deal with that guilt. When you're going into declutter and you get hit with that, like whether it's that you shouldn't have wasted money on something um, and you can't believe you did that and you're just going to hold on to it because, well, it sells the tags on it. Like who does that? Who gets rid of something that sells the tags on it? Or, oh my gosh, my mom just cannot seem to nail down 
down my style and this is awful, but she gave it to me and I've just been holding on to it. The thing is like, let's deal with the buying thing first. You didn't, you're not wasting money by letting go of something that still has the tags on it. You wasted money when you bought it in the first place. And we're all (laughs) growing and learning. Like we're all learning lessons and evolving in our own versions of ourselves. That's just a lesson. Be thankful that it served you in the way that it taught you this lesson. And how much more mindful are you going to be shopping after that? Like visually seeing yourself grab that shirt down and put it in the donation bag is such a lesson. Let's not be shaming and guilting ourselves. Let's be grateful. Everything that we have has served us in some way. So if something is like stale and needs to be, you need a new one, it served you. It served its purpose until it expired. And now it's time to replace it with a new one. Even that shirt that you're thinking of that has the tags on it that you feel kind of dumb for buying, like, no, it served a purpose. It's teaching you a lesson. It's teaching you to grow into a woman who is much less wasteful and is intentional all the way down, even to how she shops. And that's a really big deal. So it shifts that mindset from negative, I'm so dumb. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I'm just going to hold on to it because I can't deal with the emotions that come up when I think of being this wasteful to positive. Thank you for this lesson. Like, I'm so glad that I learned that. I'm moving on. This doesn't have a place in my new life. I love that. And I love, you know, you talked earlier about how everything costs something, like everything costs money, but it also costs time and space and that like precious white space that that's so important for our mental health. And so it's like, okay, I, I love how you said we already, we already wasted the money. The money's gone. So now are we going to continue to like throw good money after bad in the fact that we're sacrificing white space? We're sacrificing like we're, we're adding to our clutter. We're like, we're still, we're paying again. So right. I never would have thought about it that way. That's really good. Right. Exactly. Like, are you going to, you, so you wasted money in the beginning and now you're going to be even more wasteful by wasting more white space and moments from this shirt. Like it's not worth that. Yeah. Um, so get out of that shame space and like, let it go. And then I think when it comes to things that other people gave us, this is what that women need to know. You do not have some invisible contract that's obligating you to hold on to things for X amount of time. This person saw something, it reminded them of you in some way and they thought they would give it to you or you had a birthday or something that obligated them to get you something. I think we overestimate how much thought people put into us (laughs) and we overestimate how much emotional like attachment they have to the fact that we're keeping this thing. Some people are crazy, like especially when you have kids, if you don't, like the the in-laws and grandparents to the kids and the toys they give them, it, it gets it gets pretty steep. And it's like, whoa, like it was just a toy. She wasn't playing with it and like, relax. But you know, <laughs> Gosh, like when it comes to stuff like that, like a sweater that your mom gave you or whatever, like it's it's okay. You're not being ungrateful by letting go of it. This is your home and your space, your moments. A gift is amazing because you don't have to spend the dollars, but you're still spending the minutes. You're still sacrificing white space. Just be thankful. Like write them a great thank you card. If you need to like put it on and send her a picture in it and like just say, thank you so much, mom. And then go ahead and let it go. It's okay. It's okay to go straight from the birthday dinner and head to Goodwill. Like it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. And I think we just get wrapped up in this like, oh, but like, it's so sad. And like, what is she going to think? Like, first of all, if somebody gives you a gift and then they ask you where it is, I feel like 
they have more problems than you do. I would let that go. <laughs> like we need to have a conversation about that. That is very, that is, yes, that's yeah, very true. Yeah, like what, what, is, what is going on or not going on in your life that you remembered to get that you gave me something and you're asking where it is or if I have it like awkward much, that's not, that's not on me. Like yeah. that's on you. And, you. and and if that ever does happen, I just redirect it, especially because people know what I do for a living. So that does happen to me. They're like, did you declutter it? Yep. <laughs> sure <laughs> no, did. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll just circle back around and be like, oh yeah, that sweater. I love that you gave that to me. It was like, it had such beautiful colors and looked really flattering. Thank you so much for that. Loved it. Like, I totally avoided saying that I don't have it anymore. Yeah. Also, if any of my friends are listening, this is the most awkward moment of my life because I've said this to like five of them recently. <laughs> but okay. like, you know, you're just avoiding the fact that you got rid of it, but like thanking them for their time and their thought and their yeah. money and how sweet it was. But yeah, you're kind of kind of crossing a weird boundary to ask me if I still have it. That's weird. Well, okay. So I'm, I'm glad that you said that because I'm going to try to say this in a way that's not going to get me in trouble. So <laughs> there are seasons for, I mean, for all different reasons that I've been given something or my husband, Carl, and I've been given something. I, I feel like I have to be really careful because I don't know who's listening. <laughs> I totally understand as so a fellow we've been podcaster. given things, <laughs> but you know, sometimes the thing isn't like we already have it or, and can't return it or exchange it. So I, exchanging is a really big deal. Something that I didn't know before our wedding when we were registering for gifts is that mm-hmm. you exchange like everything. And so when we're when you're getting a wedding gift for somebody, the chances that they're going to have three magic bullets, which we had three magic bullets. I don't know how that happened. Oh the registry is supposed to like keep track of that for you. But we ended right. up with three, but we got to take two of them back and exchange it for like half a vacuum or something, which we really mm-hmm. needed. We didn't have a vacuum and, and that helped pay for that. And so I feel like um one feel a little bit freer when you're giving people wedding gifts because the the shuffle that happens after the wedding happens and it's totally okay for you as the couple and for you as the gift giver like they're just trying to sort out what they need and i feel like that's right. true for all of us with with any gift that we're given we're just sort of trying to sort out what we need and we may be given like, you know, something we already have or a couple of something so um okay maybe i can give this example i was given i don't think they're going to listen to this i was given the same <laughs> book 3 times recently. And the book was so thoughtful and I love it. And I loved it the first time and the second time and the third time. And it's so cute that this one book made three people that I dearly love think of me. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So what I didn't have the receipt. I couldn't exchange it. And so what I did and what I've actually started doing is I have a shelf in um, one of our, in one of our bedrooms, we have kind of this big shelf and on it, I have gifts and they're things that I've either bought in bulk, like bought four of the same book because it's a great gift or, you know, bottles of wine because we need to, every once in a while, it's like Sunday, you can't buy a bottle of wine and you need to take something to someone's house or it's Mm -hmm. a birthday you forgot. So you have a couple extra candles or something like that. But anyway, so I I had the books on that shelf and I was able to re-gift them, which sounds terrible, but they, they were brand new. I didn't touch them. You know, um, Mm -hmm. I was able to re-gift them to other people. And so that gift was still like a gift and a blessing. It just, I got to like pass it on. And I feel like we can do that, whether it's storing things up to say, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to wear this, but someone would really love this. Or I was Mm -hmm. given this for free. I already have one. I'm going to hang on to it because I know this person, I'm going to give it to them for their birthday. They'll love it. Um, And I feel like that's the opposite of wasteful. That's really resourceful. And the same is true about something like Goodwill or, you know, like Buffalo Exchange or something like where you can actually sell your clothes. That's going to be a gift to someone else. 
you got the gift. You got to feel grateful. You got to be loved and you get to pass that on. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think too, like just realizing like, I think it's a certain personality type and I I definitely know that it is not mine, (laughs) but like it's a certain personality type of people that I tend, they always like kind of have the same type of like the way they speak and the way they are, like they're very sensitive and sweet and just like always thinking of other people in every circumstances to a fault to where they're not functioning at their best selves because they're always putting other people first. And then, you know, this type of person, then they like volcano because they're feeling neglected. Yes, uh, I do. I, yeah, know that, this, I know that person well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like that, it seems to be like the people with those types of personality types that are listening might want to like just pay really close attention to that. Like there's nothing wrong with just being like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for this. You are so sweet. And then holding on to it and regifting it later. And also like what you said about having the bottles of wine and like, I don't know, maybe keep like some birthday cards and stuff. Like yeah. that's all simplifying your life. That's not clutter. That has a per purpose. And that is saving you time and stress and making you prepared. Like, yes, I can go to dinner tonight. Last minute, I will bring a bottle of wine. Like you're simplifying your life so much. I, so I totally, I'm a two on the Enneagram for anyone who knows what that means. And so what I, um, what Ali just said about (laughs) being the kind of person who like sometimes struggles to recognize their own needs. That has been my work for the last couple of years and I've grown so much, but I can totally be over sentimental and I can worry to worry about, um, hurting someone's feelings by regifting something. And, and so it's something I've really had to work through, but that I, and the other thing is I'm a terrible gift giver for my whole life. I've never been the person that shows up with a thoughtful gift. I just have never known how to do that, but it's been Mm -hmm. really cool because I've been able to connect one thing to the other. Someone loving me and giving me a gift is so great. And I don't have to hold on to it for that to be a great thing. I can then pass it on and have gifts that are ready to go and birthday cards that are ready to go. And then I can be a better friend and a more thoughtful gift giver by passing it on. It's been something, it's been like my work lately. (laughs) And somebody else was, is good at giving gifts and they gave you a great one and you already had it. So you're able to like use their gifts to bless somebody else. And my husband is also a two on the Enneagram and I'm an eight. So... You know, I think that I understand that type of personality type a lot more than I used to. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's so good. And I just want like really quick to just pour into you and just say like, that is such a gift. Like it is so powerful to care for others first automatically. Like for me, it's kind of more of like, okay, wait, I think, I think I'm doing the selfish thing again. I need to step (laughs) back and like think about everyone else for a second. So, I mean, it's such a gift, but yeah, don't let it, don't let yourself be a slave to anything, not your personality type, not depression, not anxiety, not clutter, nothing. Like we don't want to live our lives enslaved to anything. And I think that all of this falls under that. Like you're getting out of slavery and all of these different areas and creating in that freedom for yourself. I love that so much. Oh, thank you, friends. So we were talking about how to like, so I feel like we've talked about the guilt thing. Like we can get rid of stuff. So now how do we make the decision? And and I know that there's no rules. It's not, you can have as many pairs of jeans as fits your lifestyle, but like, sure. how do we, what's our filter that we go through our house with? And you mentioned a golden rule about not stopping halfway through. I feel like I want to hear more about that too. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So in the actual process, um, kind of like I always kind of give a bunch of different phrasings and like examples of like kind of like these key questions, like core philosophies that will help you filter things through um, because different phrasings and different like trigger words are like powerful to different people. So like I mentioned earlier, one thing is like, is this worthy? Like, you know that this is taking up your time. You paid for it with your dollars. You paid for it with your minutes and you will continue to pay for it with your minutes until you don't have it anymore. Um, So is this worthy? Is this something that you need? Like toaster oven? Yes, I need to use that. It's okay that I have to wipe the fingerprints off of it and dump the crumb tray out and lift it up to wipe underneath it when I'm cleaning the kitchen. Like it's my toaster oven and I need it. So that's, you know, okay. That's an easy one. But, you know, this, like, let's go back to the sweater that my grandma gave me. Why am I having such a hard time with it? Is this worthy? Like, no, it's itchy. It's ugly. I just feel weird about it. And I know she's going to ask me about it when I see her at Thanksgiving. That's not worthy of of your space and your time and your lack of white space. You're cutting down your housework by 40 to 60%, right? Like, is this... You're going to cut back on that percentage for this sweater? Like, it's, it's not worthy. So asking that question, like, is this worthy? Is this adding to my life is another one to, to ask or another, even another way to phrase, is this worthy? Is this adding to my life in a positive way? Think about like, I always talk about the ideal versions of ourselves. Like, um, have you ever bought something because you wanted to be the type of person that wears that or uses that, but you never actually wear it or used it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's because the ideal version of yourself that you have, again, in your subconscious, which is where all important things lie, apparently, um, you wanted to be that person. Like for me, it was fancy little hair clips. Like I really like Madewell. And they have like these like little golds, like soft, dainty, like very minimalist, but pretty and dainty like hair clips. I would get one like almost every time I walked into that store. And then I realized like, Madewell ain't cheap. I've got like $300 of hair clips in here and I've literally never worn one. Like what the heck? And I realized like my ideal version of myself would take the time to tie her hair back and put cute little ties and stuff. But the reality is I have a lot of scarring on my temples that I'm very self-conscious about. And I feel my best when my hair is down and I love my hair. I think it's a really great feature that I have. So I always like to curl it and wear it messy, wavy and down. And that's just where I'm comfortable. So the real version of me doesn't wear pretty dainty clips. I kept one in case I ever go to a fancy dinner or something, which happens, and I got rid of the rest. And so, that's a perfect thing to re-gift. Just saying. Exactly. Just saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I gave them to a friend of mine who's a hairstylist, and she always has cute things in her hair. And she looked at me with like eyes as big as saucers, like, aren't these made well? <laughs> like, they are. I'm like, yes, I think I might be a little bit wasteful, but here, you can gift it and happy birthday in three months. That's so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're just kind of like checking in, like, it, is this, is this me? Or is this the ideal version of me? Is this adding to my life and giving me purpose? Is it helping me live on purpose? Is it worthy? Of all of these things that Ali just taught me, of time and housework and clutter and white space and mental space and the risk of subconsciously like kind of walking into a depressive lull because of what I'm holding on to, is this worthy? Those are some really like heavy, serious guidelines. And when you walk in with that and you're armed with that, not a lot of things fit that bill. That's a, it's a tough, it's tough to fit that. So you're going to be able to be really ruthless. And then I think also 
don't be impractical. Like again, with a toaster oven, like if there's a toy that you think is just disgusting and dirty and trash, but your son is obsessed with it and would be heartbroken if you got rid of it, don't torture your family. Like don't <laughs> make your life harder. Don't, um, well, I have this body soap that I love, but I have three more under my sink and that's clutter. So I'm going to get rid of it. Well, you use the body soap, you love it. You're eventually going to run out. Like, why are you wasting money? Yep. So kind of balance these like things. Like get rid of the with- one you don't like. Yeah, get rid of the one you don't like. Or if you have like three that you bought in in bulk of the same one that you love, then keep it. You're eventually going to need them. Like, why are you doing that? But yeah, don't. If you like, if you bought a lotion and you don't like the smell, throw it out. If you bought a lotion and then you liked it so much, you bought five others, don't throw away the five others because they're clutter. Eventually you're going to run out and you're going to need those like, or gift one to your mom or something. You see what I'm saying? Like totally balancing. Yeah. Balancing that the philosophical part of it of like, is this worthy with just simple logic and like common sense? And then the other thing that you mentioned was not stopping halfway through. So there are three golden rules to making a decluttering session successful. And one of them is you're not finished. Like don't walk away until the things that you've decided to keep or put in the keep pile are put in their new homes. Because when you're doing that, you might realize, oh crap, I don't have a new home for this. I guess I don't have the space for it. No wonder my house has been so cluttered. I'm going to get rid of it. And anyway, um, so the things that you're keeping are put in their new homes. The things that you've decided are trash and not even worth, like, you know, maybe they're broken or something that you can't even like regift them or donate them. Go in the trash bag and get walked out of your house into the outside trash can. You're all the way out. And the things that are donate or gifted get dealt with. So like, if you're like, Stephanie, put have a spot where you put gifts for people. I have this like really cool vintage console um, downstairs in my entryway. And there's a there's nine drawers in it because it's a like a it's actually a dresser from the 70s. Oh, so cool. I use one of the drawers for cards, like thank you, birthday, anniversary, just in case like I'm gonna see a friend and I realize I forgot and I can, you know, give her a card or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then another one for like that shelf that you were talking about, like little gifts, just like books and like publishers are always sending me books mm-hmm. and stuff that I don't want. And uh, it would be great for my friend who's going through a divorce or whatever this book is about. Um, And so, you know, I have it there. So your things that you realize you can re-gift can go in your spot like that. Or the things that you're going to donate get bagged up. And then here's the thing with, with donations. Donating can often be a way to continue to hold on to clutter. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to bag up your donations and you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to go on Goodwill or Salvation Army if that's what floats your boat and that's who you want to donate to and schedule a pickup if you've got like large items and furniture and like big, a lot of clothes and stuff, they'll they'll come and pick it up for you. Or you're going to set an alarm in your phone for no more than three days from now from that day that you're decluttering and remind yourself to drop off that stuff at the donation center. If you're going to donate to a women's shelter or a church or whatever, that's fine. Find what you know works for you and no more than three days. And that bag needs to get out of the room you just decluttered. So what's going to happen is your husband's going to meander in and be like, hey, I gave you this or hey, I, I've been looking for this even though it's at <laughs> for eight years. Like, get it out. Your room should be clean, vacuumed, everything put away, like done. Otherwise, it's going to come undone or like what I just did in my closet. Now it's been four days and I broke my own rule and my closet is a total crap show and I can't even find my shoes. Yep. It gets worse. Like, it does get worse before it gets better. But if you stop halfway through, it just got worse. Yeah, it just got worse. You did nothing and you frustrated yourself and you're going to be like, 
subconsciously, again, you're going to be like, Allie's the worst. She told me to declutter. And now everything's a mess and I don't even want to go in my room. Well, because you didn't finish. Because you didn't finish. So Allie, I promised you I would remember. Circle back to the shopping thing. Yeah, see, I did forget. Okay. I got you. So after you like work out, you know, decluttering and side note really quick, if you're overwhelmed, always start in the bathroom. There's not a lot of emotional stuff in there. It's an easy yes or no. And that'll give you some momentum. But once you deal with the decluttering stuff, you've got to realize that there's a bleed happening um, and you've got to stop that bleed. So you have to get a handle on the incoming flow of stuff. This is a really big topic. There's like celebrations and holidays and birthdays and things that are being brought in from other people, but we'll focus on your shopping right now. So when you're shopping, unless, I mean, there's very little wiggle room here, but like, unless you like, let's go back to Madewell. Let's say that you have two pairs of jeans from Madewell. They're the same jeans, the same size. You know your size. Maybe you've got four pairs from there and you just know this is my size at Madewell. I'm getting the same style, just a different color. I don't need to try them on. That's fine. Otherwise, don't shop unless you like have time. And I mean, sometimes I'm just like really not in the mood to try things on. Then don't shop. Like shop when you're we have time and you're in the mood to try things on. I was at um, Anthropology the other day looking for a dress for this event, and I found this really really cute top. Like it just looked like it was made for me. And I went in and tried it on. And I mean, I don't know what it was. Something about the fabric. It was just like. It was like the designer was like, okay, what could make Allie look like 50 pounds heavier and like really boxy and just like really screwed up? Mission accomplished shirt. Like that well shirt was worst. Oh my it, gosh. It was so random. Like it had my favorite colors and patterns. Like you just never know. Yeah. And Anthro ain't cheap. Like I would have bought that shirt and gone home and been like, what the heck? And I don't live near them. So, you know, I would have, the whole circle starts. Mm-hmm. I Now I'm not going to reach out to them and ask about their returns on the, on the phone because I'm busy. The shirt's going to sit there. The 30-day period's going to pass. And I wasted, I mean, in anthropology, probably a solid $100 on a yep. shirt that is not made for me. Yep. So always try things on no matter what, unless it's like, oh, I already know I have these. I just want them in black or, you know, whatever it is. Yes. So try things on. And also, also ask yourself, like, you should feel, it doesn't matter if you just had a baby or if you're at the fittest point in your life, if you've been going through a hard time and you've gained 60 pounds, it doesn't matter. Every single thing, no exceptions, pajamas, workout wear, sweatpants, t-shirts, uh, your little black dress, all the way up to what you wear to like a fancy event or a wedding or something, every single item, even your panties and your bras should make you look and feel and walk like you are 15 pounds lighter, you are confident, and you would easily be photo- photographed in that outfit. Hmm. Every single thing. Like your underwear, if they leave like a big line on your butt cheeks and make you look like you have cellulite or way more cellulite than you do, why are you, don't do that to yourself. You're worth way more than that. Every single thing. When you're hanging out at home with your hubby and you're in your sweatpants and t-shirts, you should feel adorable. You shouldn't feel annoyed or uncomfortable. Um, You should feel beautiful all the time. We owe that to ourselves. And I hate, hate, hate when I hear women talking like, Oh, like I just look, I just look awful. Like, of course I ran into her and then I just, oh, I just looked awful. No, like you should never feel, it's one of the, our faces and our hair, like, of course it, it turns into a crap show there sometimes, but like our clothes, like you should feel beautiful and flattered all the time. Why 
on God's green earth would you spend money on something that's going to make you feel worse or hold on to it when it makes you feel worse? So that's my rule of thumb. I think that every woman is incredible and beautiful and every shape has its strengths and weaknesses, just like our personality types and the way our minds function. We all have our strengths and weaknesses and that anybody can pull off bright lipstick. Anybody can pull off ankle boots, skinny jeans, flares, whatever you want, but it's about how you feel. If you look amazing and everyone thinks you look great in those jeans, but you are just really not feeling it, they're, they're pointless and they're a waste of money and they're a waste of space. So try things on, stop the bleed. Don't buy things unless like you should feel like, oh my gosh, I don't want to take this off. I am freaking out and so excited to wear this to, you know, that dinner party or to just wear this to church on Sunday or whatever it is. Like you should be so excited and gladly pay the money for that. Not like, well, I guess this will work. Like you should never buy something with that attitude. There's so much in the world. Like there are so many stores, especially now that we can shop online. We can shop from any country in the world pretty much. And mm-hmm. I feel like there's no, like our standards are just pretty low. It's like we're dating and we like t- go on a date with a guy and he's like, I don't know, okay. And the conversation's okay. And we have an okay time. And yeah. we're like, yeah, I guess I'll marry him. Like, no, we have to have higher standards yes. than that. And, and it is possible to find things that are soft and beautiful and your favorite color. And like, we should hold out and have, have higher standards, not let anything into our house unless we love it. There was, um, exactly. you know, people I feel like are talking about Marie Kondo a lot right now just because of her show on, on Netflix and stuff. And um, I, love a, I yes. love a lot of what she does. Some of the stuff I'm like, I don't think I could ever fold things like that. Or I don't know. But the thing about sparking joy, you know, I've had this conversation with so many people. Her philosophy is you should pick something up and if it doesn't spark joy in you, you should get rid of it. And I feel like, you know, when I've talked to people about the idea of just going through your house and getting rid of stuff, one of the biggest like hesitations is, okay, my trash can does not bring me joy. There's not a trash can that's going to bring me joy. But I don't actually think that's true. Like the one that stinks, that has gum stuck to the bottom of it that you've had since high school that doesn't match the rest of your room, like that doesn't bring you joy. A new trash can that doesn't stink, that matches, that's sleek and that you picked out, like that, it's not going to like make you, you know, jump for joy. But when you see it, you're going to feel like, huh, yes, like this looks like I hope it would look. And things like a spatula, yeah. like if you're going through your spatulas, one of them you melted making pancakes and the other one you didn't and you prefer using one. It's like, that's the one you keep. It, right. I'm so glad you brought up the trash can thing because like we had, okay, so I really love design. Like I love interior design and it's important to me that my house is like beautiful and functional for my kids, but I don't I don't feel that you need to sacrifice beauty just because you I have kids. That. So, I in my kitchen, like we've worked really hard on the house and like we love it. It's like all white, white subway tile, white grout, like white counters, everything is white and clean and open and beautiful. But we have this like trash can that we just had used for forever and it was black and it was plastic. I just like the ones from Target with the lid that spins around and like you can put yep. things in. Um, and it was plastic, so it was light and it would like move whenever I like had my hands full of like turkey meat mm-hmm. and like giblets or whatever, <laughs> like trying to like get get it. And it would like move and I'd like spill and I was always having to clean it. It showed every single mark because it was black and it just wasn't working. And like the spinny lid was really wide. So I had like 
spin it and like push it to put something in and the gunk would like catch on the back of the other side of the lid and it was because it was like a hoop like what is happening and so my husband was like look I found this trash can called Simple Human and I like I'm not promoting them or anything I don't know them but I'm just saying it sounded like an ad. <laughs> um, no, we're with you. We're like Simple Human. Got it. Enter Simple Human. <laughs> but it was like a Simple Human brand of trash cans and they were like kind of expensive. So I was like, oh, I guess. So I was like, well, let's just do it. We did it. And it's like, it's so sleek. It's white with a silver top. The lid is responsive. So it's already open when I walk over to it. It has a foot thing on it. If it ever, for some reason, doesn't sense you, and you're not like standing there trying to lift it with your pinky nail. Like it... It's so random, but it changed the way I felt about my kitchen. Yep. And it it matters. Like, I so agree with you. Um, the Spark Joy thing, I just the only reason I don't go along with that is, first of all, that's her thing. And she's so good at what she does and the way that she does it. And if you like that type of teaching, like, amazing. She's doing great things. But for, like, I'm a type B. I'm a mom. I'm busy. Like, I don't, I don't just, I doesn't, it doesn't speak to yeah. me in that way to just do that. I'm looking at the purpose and like, like, again, like, is this worthy? And like that trash can wasn't worthy and it certainly didn't spark joy. And now mine does. So it, you're so right. It does matter. Every single thing makes you feel something. So the last thing I want to ask you about, Ali, is just, can you, you started to talk about this at the beginning, but I feel like I would love to just leave women with a picture of what this can look like at the end of the day. Like, can you tell us about your house? Tell us how it feels for your family to be in your house. Tell us, tell us kind of what the the after can look like. And I know we're all like, I I know you have a closet to clean, but, sure. <laughs> but tell us like what what can the result of this look like? Yeah. So it it looks like it just looks like a a good feeling everywhere. I know that sounds funny, but honestly, it's like I walk in with my hands full of groceries and my kids being cranky at the end of the day. And that's my problem. And that's it. I don't also have a giant pile of laundry, like a bunch of stuff to do. I have the space I need in my day to do my work and run my business and help women all over the world. And then like do language arts with my kids and play a video game with them. Like I'm super good at Mario. We play all the time (laughs) and like make dinner and and like just live. Homes are designed for us to live in and make memories and they weren't designed to own us and take over and require so much maintenance that you're having to either like spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars to have other people maintain them for you day to day or spend all your time doing it. Like I I've delegated what I can as a busy mom and businesswoman. Like I have a housekeeper that comes every week and I love her, but she's cleaning the baseboards, she's scrubbing the tubs. She's not like oh my gosh, like I have to fold all this laundry for you. Like it's not, there's nothing like that. It's open and clean. And we've lived in super, super tiny houses. We bought a camper and renovated it and lived in it for a year while we toured the country. Like we've lived in a box literally as a camper. And like we now have a way bigger house and we've lived in all types of houses. And it doesn't matter. It all boils down to this space that was made for you with all the stuff that you need to do your life. Like I have all the tech tools that I need to run my online business and no other ones just because they were shiny and seemed cool. I have the clothes that I need to have inspiration and mix and match different outfits and styles together and walk out of the house 
feeling so good. Like I always get complimented on my outfits and I don't think it's because they're cute. I think it's because I feel so good. I walk into places like I own them and I'm confident and happy. I feel beautiful. And even as I work on my health and losing weight from having my babies, I feel so good. And my house feels that way too. Like it's set up for life to happen. There's storage where we need it for the kids stuff and you know school stuff and all that. And it, it's beautiful though. Like everything is beautiful. I love being in my kitchen, even though I don't like to cook. I love being in my laundry room, even though I really don't like doing laundry. Like everything is just beautiful because when you spend time being intentional about removing the excess, the natural next step is to make it beautiful and make it a space that you love being in even more because you just made yourself love being in it. I love that. I, you know, I've been thinking, I'm with you. I love um, interior design and I'm not great at it. Like it'll never be my job, but it's totally one of my biggest hobbies. I love creating spaces in our home. And it's funny because on the weekends, I find myself wanting to do a lot of house projects. And then during the week, I don't have time to do anything in my house. But I feel like on the weekends, I get to nurture my house and create spaces that are nurturing. And then during the week, I'm nurtured by my house. And like, it's I've put something beautiful um, in this one place, or I've put a soft blanket right where I'm going to need it. And then during the week on a Wednesday evening, you know, when it's cold and rainy outside, the blanket's just where I wanted it. And Mm -hmm. um, I feel like when we invest in our spaces and clear things out and make them feel like we want them to feel and like we want to feel in them, we actually get to like be nurtured by them in return. Yeah. And that's the whole point. That's why we spend money on things. That's why we shop for things that make us happy. And when you walk into Target or a place like Anthropology and you see the candles and the throw blankets and all the cute stuff, you don't think like, oh, I just like that. You imagine it in your home and you imagine your ideal life that you don't have. So instead of like letting that lead to frustration, like let it lead to motivation to create the home that you want and then fill it with things that matter and are worth that space to you. I love that. Um, I, there's one other thing I wanted to tell you about. We had my um, my mother-in-law on the show at the end of last season, and she is an incredible interior designer. And she she creates spaces like no one I've ever seen. Um, so I just try to copy everything she does. Yeah. But one of the things that she she's done when it comes to the things to keep that are that are sentimental that I love, and I'm so glad I got to see her do this first, is every holiday, like every season. So for Christmas, for example. She has the best art projects that her kids, my husband and and his siblings ever made. So it's like their first drawing of Santa Claus to a Christmas list that's particularly hilarious to, um, I mean, they're all like the the funniest things that they made throughout their time being kids. And I feel like me being a two and being sentimental, I feel like I will feel pressure to keep everything. But I'm so glad I got to see her do that and to keep an eye out for the best, the funniest, the silliest, the, you know, like one of the Christmas lists, um, my brother-in-law asked for a t-shirt and, and like, what in the world? Like he had to, like I don't know. Just, yeah, yeah, seriously. Like, you want some food too? I don't know. Uh, so, but it's fun because she has a, a basket that she puts out at Christmas time and we get to go through our, like the favorite Christmas cards throughout the years and letters from their great grandparents and those funny Christmas lists. And we all look through them at Christmas mm-hmm. because she has, you know, a folder of just the very best things that she collected throughout the years. And so I feel like that's, I've been thinking about life that way in so many areas of my house and the things I keep that like, I don't have to keep every single card that I get, but I can keep the best ones and actually put them somewhere where we can enjoy them. And I just, I love that way of, of 
looking at things. I'm really glad I got to see her do that. Yeah. And I think too, like even that idea, like we, we do that year round with stuff. I love the Christmas idea. I actually wrote it down while you were talking because it's so good. Um, but I think like that's a great rule of thumb for sentimental items. Like my kids make artwork and it's weird to just like take a picture of it and throw it out. So yeah. I do that with everything, but the really, really amazing ones are really cute ones or they don't realize it's hilarious because it looks like the horse has a even though it's a leg, like something like really <laughs> funny like that. That's just funny to like us. I have like a wall, a, a wall where it's like all their artwork and just like the best of, and it's it makes your house feel so warm and it just fills you with joy. And that is the kind of stuff you want in your house. So it's not about not having anything sentimental or going digital and only taking pictures of it and scanning it and letting go of all the originals. It's just about choosing what is the most and keeping that. And then you utilizing it, like hang it on the wall, like make it a part of your Christmas decor, like your mother-in-law, like use it. Don't just let it sit in an attic somewhere. I love that. I love that. Ali, do you have any just last words of encouragement for women as they're gathering up trash bags and about to tackle their homes? Yeah, I just want to say that like it is so normal for you to start to get really overwhelmed and lose momentum and like forget what I said and just kind of lose that steam. But just slow and steady wins the race. Put like a 15 minute reminder every morning in your phone or, you know, a 20 minute decluttering session every Saturday morning before you head to brunch with your mom or whatever it is, like before you go to church, just little tiny chunks, just a few minutes where you do a drawer, you do a half a closet, you know, whatever it is and just chunk away at it. It's okay to not go big or go home. Like that's not for everybody. So slow and steady progress is greater than perfection here. And eventually like you will get done. Don't make this a big official thing. Like, oh, I am decluttering right now. So I have to go all the way. Like, just just work at, on it. Like, just go whenever you can. If you feel inspired and you're waiting for your, you know, your water to boil, like declutter the junk drawer, you know, whatever it is, just slow and steady progress. I love that. I love that. Ali, thank you so much for being here. I'm so inspired and I know the women listening are too. And I just, I so appreciate the work you're doing. Thanks again. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Friends, thank you so much for listening to today's featured episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Before you go, I would love it if you do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of sort of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take just a quick second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows it suggests the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' nights. So would you do me a huge favor and take just a quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And thank you so much to all of you who've left those beautiful five-star reviews already. It means the world to me. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. I'll see you then.